Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at It's All Dead. And uh, with me, per usual, is uh, my sidekick, my buddy, my pal, Kyle Schultz. What's up? Yeah, I have a title. Not too much, <laughs> are you, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Kyle and I uh, run a little website called It's All Dead, uh, where we cover music and bands we like um, with all kinds of stuff, like album reviews and interviews and event features and this little podcast. So we're glad that you're listening with us today. Um, a while back, a couple of months ago, we did a, a podcast where we counted down uh, our favorite Fallout Boy songs and ranked all of their albums. And uh, we enjoyed doing that so much that we decided to do one for All Time Low. Um, and the reason for this, uh, I guess there's a few different reasons. One, uh, the band recently released uh, Future Hearts, their latest album, which debuted at number two on the Billboard charts, which was huge for the band. Um, I feel like for the past seven or eight years, All Time Low has kind of been like one of the bands in this scene. I mean, they are a staple. People know the members. They know everything about this band. They have an obsessive following that loves pretty much everything that they do. Um, and they just, their relevancy has never really waned. Like no matter how bad of an album they put out or maybe a, a poor career choice they've made, like their fans have stuck with them. Um, and, it, and it shows that all these years later, they put out an album and it charts number two on, on Billboard, even after their stint with a major label. So I don't know. I, I, in my opinion, they're one of the biggest bands in the scene still. What are your thoughts? Oh, definitely. Um, it's just their story is kind of weird. Like, to be honest, there's really no good reason why they're as popular as they are. Like, there are so many good bands in the scene. But I think what really helped them was, uh, you know, they kind of unabashedly took over Blink-22's mantle after the band just, uh, you know, broke up. Yeah. And I think once Blink-22 is off the scene, people were really looking for just a fun, happy pop-punk band to kind of take over for a little bit. And uh, I th feel like All Time Low is just in the right spot at the right time with the right type of music. And, uh, you know, just for filling that void when it needed to be filled, I think, much like Blink-22, their fans have really just stuck by them the entire way uh, because they were there for them when they needed that void filled. Yeah, I, I think Blink-22 is obviously like the best comparison. I mean, they, they even have obviously a good relationship with guys in that band. Mark Hoppus kind of, it almost seemed like he took, all-time low under his wing early on in a way or just kind of i don't know if he if there was some sort of like mentor relationship there or, or what but he he's kind of seems like a guy that was pretty involved for them and uh you know they've you know they've toured with pretty much everybody you can imagine uh yeah in this scene that would make sense for them to tour with they became really close with yellow card and i remember interviewing uh ryan key a few years ago at warp tour and him talking about their relationship and how yellow card was able to kind of share you know, their history of stuff that they went through as a band that was helpful at all time lows. They came up in the scene. And so they've, they've been really close with a lot of really big bands. And I think that's been kind of a huge part of it as well. Yeah. And they also have that weird, lovable, like adorable pervert thing going yeah. for them too. <laughs> that really kind of latches onto a fan base really easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no question. Uh, Alex Gath, Gus Karth is, you know, a huge personality in the scene. I mean, all these guys are. That's, uh, you know, Ryan Dawson, the drummer, you know, has, has been dating for a long time. Cassidy Pope, who's kind of become a star in her own right. And 
uh, Jack is obviously, you know, a huge part of this band as far as just being kind of a, the spokesman and the guy that, uh, you know, everybody wants to have sign their chest region or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I, so I'm th- I was thinking back about my first, uh, I guess my first impression or my first introduction to the band. And I want to say, I'm sure somebody will be listening and, and say that I'm wrong here, but Warp Tour 2007, uh, maybe it wasn't, but I feel like it was seeing them on a side stage and just, they, they kind of were starting to get a following at that point, And you could tell, like you were like, Oh, this band's, this band's going to be playing main stage pretty quick. And I remember obviously that, you know, that first big single dear Maria count me in just really catching my ear. And I just immediately kind of was like, wow, I really want to see where this band goes. Um, and I've kind of been following them ever since. Do you, do you remember the first time that you heard them or, or saw them? Um, yeah, actually what happened was, uh, I can't quite remember how I got a hold of the CD, but I got a hold of, uh, the party scene and I remember listening to it and being mildly impressed. Like it didn't really leave much of an impression on me and, uh, So Wrong It's Right came out and I remember just seeing that album in every store for just months Yeah. and I didn't. Like, I was hesitant to pick it up just because I was so just kind of meh on the party scene. And uh, I passed it up for a long time, and finally probably, I don't know, early 2008 or so, uh, I finally grabbed it and listened to it for the first time and was honestly just blown away by it. Yeah, it's uh, it was a huge coming out party, and I remember the promotion behind that. Uh, Hopeless Records has been a huge part of this band's trajectory and career, and we'll, we'll be talking about that today as well. But they really did a bang-up job of of uh, the album cycle for So Wrong It's Right. And I remember like every magazine, like every alternative press you would pick up had that picture of them in their underwear or whatever. And like you, <laughs> they were just yep. everywhere for a while. <laughs> like you couldn't escape it. Um, and, and sometimes that doesn't work, you know, because people can see through it if a band isn't good or doesn't have any potential or real talent, but all time low was not that situation. They had the talent, they had the look, they had the personality. Um, and now we're doing this podcast where we're ranking their albums and songs. So um, I guess we can yeah, get, they're not that great. Um, we'll find out how you really feel Um, so I guess we can get started by doing the (laughs) albums and we we talked about this we are going to be ranking their past five albums so starting with So Wrong It's Right we're not ranking the party scene and that'll probably upset some people I know that there's people out there just like you know Fall Out Boy we talked about that with Take This to Your Grave which we did rank but um, you know there's people out there they're like oh All Time Lewis sucked ever since the party scene we're not those guys. Um, and I feel like the band's career and sound as far as who they are really started with so wrong. It's right. At least the band I want to talk about. And so that's why we're starting with that album. Um, I'm fine with the party scene. I'm not, you know, I'm not leaving it off cause it would have ranked number one. So it, it doesn't really affect, uh, things in that way for me. So just know that we're aware of it, but we're only going to be ranking the past five albums. So, um, Kyle, I guess if you want to start, you can start with your number five. Well, mister, uh, I'd say for my number five would be uh, Don't Panic, and it's just, Don't Panic was a good album, but it felt very kind of lost, because it was kind of sandwiched in the middle of Future Hearts, which is their newest, and Future Hearts really found where it was, and uh, prior to Don't Panic was Dirty Work, which was just kind of a hot mess, and, uh, (laughs) and Don't Panic, you know... It got them back on track, but it, it was still just 
and it felt more complete than Dirty Work and uh, everything, but just didn't have the magic with it. Uh, you know, it felt like it was a process album where they're cleaning up the mistakes the band had made, but they hadn't quite gotten there yet. And it's an album that I really like, but I just don't go back to it ever. Interesting. This is fascinating already. We, you know, if you're listening, we haven't shared anything back and forth about where we ranked the stuff. So this is, this will be the first time either of us are hearing any of this. I think it'll be a, a really intriguing conversation. Um, and my five is uh, for reasons that you stated in, in your own explanation there. My number five is Dirty Work. Um, this was supposed to be the album that was like going to blow this band up, like on the radio. Uh, they, you know, co-wrote that song with Rivers from Weezer. They had a huge push, massive music video. That album just stunk. Um, and, you know, there are a few yes, songs it on it that I go back to and listen to, but it, it was a hot mess, like you said. Um, it, it was I, it was a no-brainer for me to put this album at number five. It's just, uh, it's not cohesive. It does not sound like the band at all. Um, and it, it's obvious that this band doesn't need co-writers to help them write the kind of music that they want to write. Uh, you can feel that throughout Dirty Work. There's just so many forced songs and forced moments that just don't work. They don't come across as authentic. Uh, the album flopped. I, I, I feel like I could say that it was their least successful album, maybe. Um, but I, I feel like it was definitely the least revered. Um, so that's my number five. Yeah. Uh, for me, number four is actually Dirty Work. Uh, it's it's a weird album because I really hated it when it initially came out, but over the years it's actually kind of grown on me. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because it is a hot mess. Like It's just a disaster of an album. Nothing works, nothing flows well, but I kind of like the, uh, the chaos that comes with it. And it's also kind of a surprise for me just because... When it came out, I just threw it to the side. I hated it. Uh, I feel like Dancing is the worst song the band has ever written. And yeah, I agree. one of the worst songs ever. Not only that, but like like you said, Rivers, not only did he have a hand in writing it, he's just fisting the song and it's terrible. Uh, and it's just one of those things that it took me a very long time, but I actually listen to this album a lot more these days. Just because, uh, you know, after casting aside for so long, going back to it, there were a lot of surprises on it for me. Like a lot of the kind of faster uh, punk songs that I actually enjoy now because they're just a highlight on an album that's just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfair to say that there's no good songs on Dirty Work, but by and large, it's it's definitely not their, their best. It's an album that should have killed the band's career, and it's just a testament to their talent that they were able to come back from it so strong. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, number four for me is Nothing Personal, and I'm really going to get a kick out of... I, I We're not in the same place, I, but I really wish that I could watch you sweat as I uh, as you wait for me to find out where I list Don't Panic that you rank <laughs> can't wrap my head around but um i'm joshing you kyle um number four for me is nothing personal um and this is an album i really enjoyed when it came out but i think i was so into so wrong it's right that this album ended up being a little bit of a letdown for me uh the first five tracks on the album are phenomenal but after that it kind of falls apart it just felt like there was a lot of filler whereas compared to so wrong it's right i could listen to straight through uh, so nothing personal starts off with a bang, obviously, and it's got some great, uh, tracks at the front end, but, 
uh, overall, to me, it doesn't hold up as a full album. So I'll let you do uh, your number three. Um, for me, number three is going to be Future Hearts. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an amazing album. I really like it. It's a very good, mature alternative record. But um, I think the part of the reason it ranks so low for me at the moment is just I'm not used to it yet. Like, I really like it, but it doesn't have the longevity for me that uh, a lot of the other albums have. And, uh, you know, but it, it, like, I love it. It has a bunch of great songs. It's proof that, like, you know, the band is aging along with the fans, and the music really re- reflects that. Yeah, that's uh, one thing I'm also interested in. Uh, we haven't had a conversation about Future Hearts uh, yet. I, you reviewed it for It's All Dead. I think, did you give it four out of five stars? Is that right? Also, yes. All right. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> I was interested to see where you would rank it. Uh, number three for me is Don't Panic. Um, and I, it, it falls right in the middle for me just because it depends on the day sometimes uh, as to my enjoyment of it. But I, I definitely, uh, find it better than dirty work. Um, and there's a lot of really good songs. I feel like it was, it came after dirty work. And for me, it was that bridge between that complete meltdown to what's going to be the rest of their career. So it's, it's got some really great songs on it. Uh, and again, we'll get to some of these as we do our, our top 10 songs, but it was kind of a, it, it paid homage to some of their older pop punk stuff while still having a little bit of a, uh, I guess, more of the straight up rock sound. So you could tell it was kind of an in-between record, but I, there's still a lot of really great songs on that album for me. So uh, Yeah, there, it has a lot of good music. It's just for whatever reason, it's the album that I listen to the absolute least, like without a doubt. Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's see. For me, number two is going to be Nothing Personal. And uh, I think part of it is just the replay value I've had with it. Like, like you said, it's not their best album and the second half kind of falls off a bit but this thing was on repeat for me for years and it's just it's an evolution off their classic sound like it doesn't quite have um you know the same punch throughout its lifestyle but it has the essential songs that you're going to hear for the rest of the band's career uh yeah you know it's they have enough experience to uh evolve their sound but they're not quite at a level where they start maturing it yet and it's it's also an in-between record, but it's a really just fun one. Like they're still having fun with the music without trying to uh, evolve themselves. Yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment. Um, and just like I guess for you with Don't Panic, Nothing Personal is the album that I listen to of theirs the least, probably, which is weird. Um, but I mean, there's certain songs that I listen to a lot, and then there's some of those most of the songs that I might I never listen to. So um, yeah. Number two for me is Future Hearts. And again, it's kind of like the when we did the Fall Out Boy one. The, it's, this is a new album. It's so fresh that it was hard to rank it. But the production value on this album for me is just through the roof. I feel like this is the album they should have put out instead of Dirty Work. Like that's in my head, that's what should have happened. It's extremely accessible. Obviously, a, a lot of people are into it. It debuted at number two on the Billboard charts. But I feel like it appeals not only to the old fans, but it appeals to a whole new audience that can now get into the band. And I, I look uh, pretty much all the way, this whole album all the way through from front to back. It's it's pretty solid. There's not a lot of filler there. And so far, I've just really been enjoying it. And it uh, is obvious now that we both put the same album at number one. You can't prove that. <laughs> no, uh, still wrong. It's right. 
basically has to be the best. It's just for me, it's their essential album. It's the classic. It's uh, you know, it's the Dookie for Green Day. It's uh, Sticks and yeah. Stones for Newfound Glory. It's just all the memories and the foundation are there. Every single song is a single upon itself, and it, uh, the entire album is a staple. Um, you know, it's the song that you fell in love with them in their writing style, and it's what everyone's still listening to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you nailed it. I don't even know what to add to that. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is their album. Um, and it's, and it's, I'm totally okay with that. I, I was thinking this today. I don't need all time low to write so wrong. It's right again. I have that album. I'm no. totally fine with it. Um, and I, I love what they did with future hearts. That's, that's kind of what I would expect and want from the band at this point in their career. But there's something about so wrong. It's right for me, the nostalgia of it. It's fantastic front to back. It's the first album I reached to on the first nice day of the year. Like the first day that the sun is out all day and it's warm enough to like take your coat off and roll the windows down. So wrong. It's right. is the first album that I, that I put on. Um, and for me, that's what I want from a pop punk album. And that's what so wrong. It's right. Is to me. So well, again, again, I feel like it took a, the mantle of Blink-22 after they left. Like there were a lot of punk bands coming up uh, at that time, trying to fill that void. Yeah. And I feel like So Wrong It's Right had that perfect blend of just, it's fun, it's happy, it's happy to exist. Like, all the songs are about loving music and being a band. Yeah. And it has the humor, and you can tell it's genuine. Like, it's not, it wasn't a band trying to fill the void, it was a band filling the void. Yeah, no question about it. Man, you were, you were killing it. You should just do this podcasting on your own, because uh, that is pretty much everything that I would ever want to say about the album. I agree wholeheartedly, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It, it, it it's a feel good record. Um, I put it on on those on that nice day of the year because it just makes me feel good, um, and that's really great. So, all right, though that is us ranking the all time low albums, but we're not done yet. We're also gonna give our top ten songs, um, and we'll do these individually. Um, I guess we should have decided who should go first beforehand, but all right, paper scissors, get for it. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'll go first. Is that okay? All right. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Um, I'll run through these real quick. This I, I want to start, though, by saying that this was really hard for me. This was, like, way harder than I thought it would be. I had a harder time with this than I did with the top ten Fallout Boy songs. I started – I tried to – I whittled it down to just to, like, eyeball a list of where I thought would be a good starting place. And there were, like, mm -hmm. 18 songs. And all 18 of those I felt like deserved <laughs> to be on the top ten. And so – that was really difficult for me. And I'm, I'm not even totally convinced that I'm fine with this list, but it's the best I can do. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so that's where I'm starting from here. Uh, number 10, Outlines from Don't Panic. Um, look, I love Jason Vina and anybody that you know has read some of the stuff I've written for It's All Dead. I, you know, I love Acceptance, and uh, Jason Vina's guest spot on the song is incredible. It's got a killer chorus. Uh, it's one of the stronger tracks on Don't Panic. I just feel like it's an all-around great rock song, and I, I love listening to it. It's just so cool. I thought that Jason Vina would do this song with them, and I really enjoy it. Uh, number nine is Six Feet Under the Stars, um, which, you know, it goes back to the whole thing with So Wrong It's Right. There's a lot of So Wrong It's Right songs on this list, by the way. Uh, it's just a feel-good song. It's like this innocent first date, I'm screwing up everything song. So I feel like a lot of people can relate to it, myself included. Um, but I just <laughs> – the, the lyrics on that on that album for a band just starting out were so good. Like Alex just killed it on a lot of these songs. And this is another one with just a fantastic chorus. And 
I, I just I love the lyrics to this song. It's it's such a fun song to listen to. Uh, number eight is the only song from Dirty Work, Do You Want Me Dead? Um, it was the lead song on that album, the opener. Um, it's really short, and I felt it was like the most all-time low song on the album. Maybe that and Under a Paper Moon, but uh, Do You Want Me Dead is a, is a song that I go back to on that album. Uh, it's a quick, hard-hitting pop-punk song, and I really enjoy it. Uh, number seven is Tidal Waves from Future Hearts. It was the first song on that album. When I listened to that album for the first time, Tidal Waves was the first song that grabbed me. Uh, I love Mark Hobbes' guest spot on the song. I love that it's a complete departure from their normal sound uh, while still sounding like all-time low. It's just like a really cool, like, slowed-down, mellow track. And I think I, I just felt like they nailed it. I feel like they'd tried writing that song in the past and hadn't gotten it right. And this song, they, they absolutely nailed it. Uh, number six, Weightless. Um, there's, I can't imagine somebody making a top 10 list of songs from all time low and the song not being on there. And it probably should be higher on my list. I just, I struggled with where to put it. It may be just cause I've worn it out, but I listened to this song a ton. Like I remember they, they released this before nothing personal came out and I just, I listened to it endlessly. I was so stoked for nothing personal when this song came out. And I think it's just one of those things that like you could identify with or I could identify with at that time in my life. The idea of like, maybe it's not my weekend, but it's going to be my year. It's just this song of like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to be, I'm going to make the best of this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to, I'm going to make it. (laughs) And like, no matter what situation you're in, you can find a place where that song applies to you. And it just, it's a killer track. Um, one of the best songs they've written. Number five was old scars, future hearts. It's the closer on future hearts. And this one, I was it surprised me that it ended up at number five on my list, but I just really like it. It's it's the best closer uh, that the band has written to me, and I, it's just a really awesome rock song. I was uh, really impressed when I heard it on the album, and it's a song that I, I keep going back to from Future Hearts. Um, it's completely outside of a song, typical song that I feel like All Time Low would write, but they, again, totally nailed it, which is another reason for me ranking Future Hearts as high as I did, they took a lot of chances and they, it really paid off. Uh, number four is let it roll. Um, this song goes back to what I talk about with so wrong. It's right. I, I put this song on with the windows down and drive with the wind blowing and it just makes me feel like a million bucks. Like that chorus is so damn catchy. And it's just one of those like, you know, group of friends, you're young, the whole world's in front of you. And it's going to be awesome. Let it roll. I don't know. That song just really, um, it's just a killer pop punk track. Number three is Backseat Serenade from uh, Don't Panic. And another just one of the best pop punk songs that's been written in recent years, in my opinion. Uh, it's got Cassidy Pope uh, is on the song with them. And that chorus with the two of them, with Alex and Cassidy, is just incredible. And I was finding as I was doing some of these that All Time Low is almost at their best when they write about sex. I don't know why that is, but it kind of fits. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of fits the band. It makes sense that that would be the case. Um, but this is just kind of one of those summer songs of you know you and a loved one, um, and it makes total sense. Like I would not expect anybody other than All Time Low to write this song and pull it off as well as they did. My favorite song on on uh, Don't Panic by a, a large margin. Uh, number two is Shameless from So Wrong It's Right. And uh, just the guitar, the opening guitar on that song just gets me every time. Like I just, 
I just want to stand up and pump my fist every time I hear it. Like even now, I've heard that song so many times, but every time it starts, I just want to get up and dance. And then those first lines of where the guitars cut out and the uh, hips sway and lips lie. And I'm just like, oh man, yeah, it's such a, such a cool song. Um, and another killer. Cho- this band is really good at writing choruses. They get stuck in your head, Kyle. I don't know if you've noticed, but they're pretty darn good at it. Uh, which we yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, leads into number one. Uh, no surprises here. I'm. This is super predictable, but I couldn't help it. Dear Maria, count me in. Um, it's the best song the band has ever written, in my opinion. It's one of the best songs. I feel like if we made a top ten songs of the past decade from this scene, it's on that list. It's near the top of that list. It's a song that everybody knows the words to. All Time Low, like this was kind of their coming out party. They write a song about a stripper with an incredibly catchy chorus, and suddenly their stars like this song like the even the songwriting here from a young all-time low was like light years ahead of anything that they did with co-writers on dirty work like this band you could tell from this moment how talented they were and it's still crazy to me if this wasn't even the first single released from so wrong it's right uh but to this day it's it's uh, you know as cliche or you know predictable as it is it's hard not to list that out, that song at number one so that's my list all right, I'll try to run through these and uh, keep the numbers straight because I forgot to write them down. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Starting at 10 for me is For Baltimore off of Don't Panic. Mm. Um, it's a really good transition song between what was uh, dirty work and what they were trying to be. And it's also the song that restored my faith in the band after just the crushing defeat that dirty work was. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a good song. It has an alternative structure, but with the punk elements that we know from, like, it restored everything I loved about them. Uh, number nine is Tidal Waves off of Future Hearts. Uh, what can I say? It's just an amazing song. It's, a uh, you know, like a mellow rebellion song that goes against cliche of, like, you know, you slow a song down for a love song, and this is the complete opposite. And uh, Mark Hoppus is just amazing in it. Yeah. Um, number eight is uh, Heroes off of uh, Dirty Work, and I think it's a really good punk song. Uh, it's also one of those surprises for me because I didn't listen to Dirty Work for so long, I didn't even know about this song until maybe a year or two ago when oh, I wow. finally went back to it. And it's so unfortunate that it's the closing track on the normal edition of the CD because it has the energy of a song that should be at the forefront. And it's just another example of how that album was just structured so poorly that the song was just hidden at the back. Um, number seven is lost in stereo off of nothing personal. Uh, I don't really have a reason for it. I just really like that song. <laughs> yeah. It's a good song. Um, let's see. Number six is, uh, this is how we do off of So Wrong It's Right. Uh, it's a perfect opener for yeah. what that album is going to be. And, you know, like I said, after listening to the party scene, not being that impressed with it, hearing this come up really impressed me and it uh, hooked me in for the rest of the album. Uh, number five is Let It Roll. Uh, like Yay. you said, it's just, it's a really good song. The opening guitar riffs are just they're really unique in just how it's structured. Uh, it's just quick, fast flicks that just go into, um, they hold a note for like four seconds and then just keep repeating until uh, the verses start coming in. Yeah. Uh, number three is actually Hometown Heroes, no, National Nobody is off of the party scene. Um, 
it's a very amateurish, quick punk song, and it's the essence of why anyone wants to be in a band. It's just a frenzy of, uh, you know, the bravery of being on stage, calling everyone's attention to you while you play it, and feeling the energy of the audience, like, shouting back to you as they appreciate your music. And uh, it's really a song that I think anyone wants to write because of the love they feel for actually being in a band. Um, number two for me is Dear Maria, Count Me In. And uh, like you said, it's the best song they've ever written. It has a perfect uh, a perfect chorus. It's just, it's yeah. amazing. There's no way not to know this song. Right. Um, like, I have friends who hate All Time Low, and they know this song line for line. Yep. It's it's just, it hooks you in. There's nothing you can do. Um, and my favorite song, and it's just, it's Coffee Shop Soundtrack, and it's, I don't remember the first time I heard it, because I don't believe it's on the party scene, but there's something about it. It's so amateurish. It's so, uh, you can tell the band wrote it when they were so young, but there's something about it that just grips me where this is the song I sing the most to myself, you know, when it's quiet out. It's just, uh, it's just a great punk song, and it's the first time Alex really tests his vocal skills, and I really love it. Yeah. So the the party scene is actually uh, from it was on their their EP that put up or shut up EP which we also didn't include in the uh, uh, countdown but it was an EP and so we didn't count as a full album and that uh, EP also had J C Ray which is another pretty well known well known song of theirs I'm wondering what your feelings were as you were putting the list together because one thing I did find and even as you know down as i was on dirty work and talking about it i had it was pretty evenly scattered my list the top 10 list ended up being kind of top heavy with so wrong it's right but overall i had songs from every album that i was choosing from like even dirty work i'm, I'm looking it up now because uh see what i was pulling from there because under a paper moon was on was in consideration time bomb was in consideration guts was in consideration um and then with uh Nothing Personal, which was number four on my list. I still had several songs there. Waitlist made the list, but other ones I was considering were Break Your Little Heart, Damned If I Do Ya, so, uh, and Lost okay. in Stereo, like you mentioned, is another good song. So like every album they put out, like even at their worst, like albums have still had like a lot of good songs on them. Yeah, definitely. Um, was there anything that you struggled with as you were putting the list together or anything that just missed the cut that you felt bad about? Um. There were a lot of songs that just kind of barely missed the cut, but like you said, I had a lot of trouble kind of going back and uh, finding just ten. Like, Fall Out Boy, I feel, was a bit easier just because each of their songs is... They have a style that's very distinct, and each of their songs mm -hmm. has its own unique style that's very yeah. distinct, so it's a bit easier to kind of pick and point. And All Time Low is... They're a weird standard pop-punk band where you can't help but love them, but they're a bit harder to kind of pick and choose, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so I guess uh, we did this with Fall Out Boy, and we should do it with All Time Low and talking about you know what their legacy will be and, and uh, what they'll be remembered for. And, and you've touched on this a lot already, but I feel like it can't really be overstated of the importance All Time Low had in filling that void after Blink-182 left. And they've done that. Um, All Time Low is a band that you could go to where you could just kind of let go of the weightiness of it 
And that's yeah. not to say that All Time Low never sang about anything important, because that's not fair. But they had the ability to help you shed anything that you might be dealing with or going through. Like they had like the stupid songs about sex or girls or whatever that are just like were easily digestible that you could listen to without feeling too serious. But the choruses were catchy enough that you could just sing along and, and feel okay. Um, and I, I think that was that was huge because there wasn't another pop punk band that really came along that was able to surpass them on a talent level as far as what they were able to pull off and the kind of songs they were able to write. And that seems uh, like a pretty big deal. And that's why I think that they've kind of held that position for so long. And even when another band like the Wonder Years that's kind of come to prominence in recent years, I think if we set everybody down, like everybody probably admit like, yes, the Wonder Years are a better band than All Time Low. But those two bands, even though they're both pop punk bands, they're serving a completely different purpose and they're oh, yeah. even though their audiences may overlap, like they're they're speaking to different people. You know what I mean? All time low is speaking yeah. to me when I've had a shitty day and I just want to like put on a pop punk album and sing along and smile or laugh about something. Whereas the Wonder Years is something I put on when I want to reflect and I want to think and I want somebody to relate to me with something that I'm going through. I don't know. That's my take. Yeah, I th- I think the best way for me to kind of put it is a lot of bands and the Wonder Years included. When you go to see them perform, it's a performance. Yep. They're on stage and they're playing for you. But um, I've seen All Time Low perform four times, and each time was better than the last. And it's a massive party. They're not playing for you; they're playing with you. Yeah. Like they're talking to the audience, they're inviting the audience, they're uh, engaging everyone, and they play the song. And they, you can tell, they're loving every second of it. It's not uh, something that's really there to define who you should be or any type of ideals. They're just playing goddamn good music yeah they have gotten better and better and this is another band that i've seen performances of them throughout their career from the small side stages at warp tour to really big huge sold out venues um and early on it was kind of funny because it like we're talking now about how they filled the blink 182 role like people knew then that that's what they were trying to do and you could tell like even when you saw them play with like the the dirty stage banter, they were like super awkward at first. And I feel like they kind of like grew into like actually having a stage presence and knowing how to relate to an audience. That was something that I kind of saw. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sorry. I don't even know what to follow that up with. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I guess uh, another thing to kind of wrap up the conversation would be, uh, where does all time low go from here? And again, this is just speculative and an unfair conversation, but um, it, it's something worth talking about because for a few years there after uh, so wrong, it's right. And uh, nothing personal, everybody kind of had it. There were all those conversations happening of like this band could be huge if they could just get a chance, like they would be all over the radio. They got signed to the major label. They did all the co-writes and then dirty work just went down and, massive amounts of flames and everybody kind of thought like well that was their chance it's over now but they've rebounded pretty hugely and you know as we mentioned future hearts debuting at number two on the billboard charts they seem to be as relevant as ever so the question is where do they go from here and in my mind they don't really have anything left to prove like i feel like they could ride along where they're at right now for years and that would be totally fine yeah um they're they're in a weird position where most of the songs they write should be, you know, radio staples, but just the fact they're not, uh, it's really confounding. And I think for them, what they're going to be doing for a long time is being at the height of uh, popularity, but like kind of on an indie level, 
like they'll never I don't know if they'll ever get the mainstream success that they probably deserve but uh, I think a majority of the scene and the people that follow their music are going to keep them at the top of their list for years to come it's just everything they put out somehow tops itself uh, in one way or another and I think they're going to keep doing that for a long time if nothing else uh, you know they have a big hand in writing other or helping other people write music and stuff like that like they've ingratiated themselves into the scene that at the very least they're not going anywhere soon yeah absolutely you know and i, I think everybody has kind of had the those conversations about why didn't this band blow up on the radio and i i think maybe it's just because we came up through a different time you know what i mean like if so wrong it's right yeah. comes out in 2001 all-time low is like the biggest band on the planet and dear Maria count me in as the song of the summer. You know what I mean? Yeah. But by 2007 radio had changed in such a way where that song was never even going to have a chance there, but it made its impact in another area, like another subculture, another scene. And it, it they kind of went from there. So I don't know if this band's ever going to have a big radio hit. And frankly, I'm not sure that they even need it. I just, no. I, just I, I, you know, if nothing else, it really shows a lot of their talent for the fact that they came up in an age where everyone downloads everything for free, and they're still topping the charts for selling albums. Yeah, yeah. Don't kid yourself. Like this band is doing well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're they're <laughs> bands uh, that come up in, in this scene, and they don't have the kind of success All Time Low has had. I mean, they they're still selling out massive venues. I mean, their merch sales, I'm sure, are through the charts. Uh, this band has done pretty well for themselves. And uh, again, it's, it's a testament to their, their talent, their songwriting abilities and, and their work ethic. I mean, they've, they've really kept at it. They've stayed on the road and uh, they've, they've put in the, the hard work to get to where they're at. And that's, that's really commendable. So there's also a chance they're immortal. I don't think they've aged at all. Yeah, I know. Right. That's really <laughs> weird. Like sometimes you'll see Alex has a little bit of scuff or something like, you know, like not a beard, but, Maybe like, you know, he hasn't shaved in a day and you think, wait, is he an adult now? But no, yeah, <laughs> they, they literally look the same and it's really weird. Every member of the band. I know. <laughs> they must have made some sort of deal with somebody when they did dirty work and now they're never going to age, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that's the unspoken story of All Time Low. Um, so, yeah, that's our podcast on All Time Low. Uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Um, if you want more, if you want to check out Kyle's review of future hearts or any number of, uh, other pieces of content we have, you can check it out at it's all dead.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of stuff for you there. Check it out. And uh, if you like this podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, you'll get all of our episodes as we release them. And you can also leave us a review there and let us know how we're doing and, uh, suggest, suggest some other topics that you'd like to see us cover. So, um, that is it for the All Time Low podcast. Uh, Kyle, thanks for joining today and offering all of your insight and knowledge and wisdom. Don't call it that. <laughs> oh, and, and we, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, – I meant to start with this and completely spaced it. Uh, the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. Kyle lives in Chicago. He's a huge Blackhawks fan. So, Kyle, congratulations uh, to the Blackhawks uh, for winning the Stanley Cup. Well, thank you, mister. It's been a very good 24 hours. Yeah, I, I bet so. And uh, keep enjoying it. Enjoy the parade uh, and all that, that other stuff. Uh, that is the official It's All Dead podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We will catch you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the official It's All Dead podcast. You can download our podcast at iTunes 
and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsalldead.com.